0: Please turn back to Psalm 119, 65 to 72. Psalm 119, 68, thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119 is one of the most beloved portions of Scripture. Saints for thousands of years have looked to this psalm for instruction, meditation, and comfort. One example is that evangelical abolitionist, William Wilberforce. He was often persecuted, hated, mocked, and attacked By his peers in the British Parliament. And to help him and console him, he would often go for walks. He memorized the entire psalm. And when he was stressed or persecuted, he'd go for a long walk and he would recite the entire psalm 119. And as he did so, he found no matter the opposition, no matter how discouraged he was, he found comfort and help from the psalm. But the psalm is also known for its structure. It is an acrostic structure divided into 22 sections. Each section begins with one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet each section has eight verses and every verse begins with the letter of the hebrew alphabet according to that section and of course we do not see that in english and it would be extremely difficult to do that in our english language but to help us most bibles have the hebrew uh, letter above the section And in our section, you can see it's the ninth section with the ninth Hebrew alphabet letter Tet. So every verse begins with Tet or T, as we might say in English. And in the Psalms, the emphasis is not at the beginning of a Psalm. And the emphasis is not at the end of a Psalm. In Hebrew poetry, the main message is often in the very middle of the psalm. And when you read Psalm 119, 65 to 72, you see there is a word that's used throughout. And that theme is good or goodness. Six times it's used. Thou has dealt well or literally good with my servant. Teach me good judgments. Thou art good and doest good. And in verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. And in verse 72, thy law of thy mouth is better. It's actually more good, which isn't good English, but that's what it literally is. Thy mouth is more good unto me than thousands of gold and silver. So goodness is the theme. But the central emphasis is not generic goodness, but God. Verse 68, speaking of God. Thou art good and doest good. So the psalmist wants us to know this attribute of God. God is good. Good. Therefore, this evening, I want to take this theme and meditate upon the new year by understanding God's goodness in the new year. And our three headings are thus. One, God is good. Two, God's good works. And three, God's goodness and our response. First of all, God is as good. Look at the language of verse sixty eight. It's very important. It doesn't merely say you do good. That's true, of course. But something more essentially. Thou art good. God is good. But what do we mean by God as Good. Something we might say all the time. We might say God is good. But what do we mean? Well, you can say more than this, but I don't think you can say less than this. And I would define God's goodness as this. God's goodness is the perfection of moral excellence in infinite uprightness without evil and his pure and pleasant will To communicate himself to others in free gifts, love, grace, holiness, and justice. This is what it means. God is good. And this teaches us three things about God's goodness. First of all, God is naturally good. This is something that's so important. Goodness is not a quality to describe what God does. God's very being, his essence, his nature is goodness. The Bible says that God is spirit, John 4. He doesn't have a body, he is spirit. And spirit is a simple undivided essence the Bible teaches that he is light God is light 1st Timothy 6 and 1st John chapter 1 and it also teaches that he is one Deuteronomy 6 we know the Shema the Lord is one he is one he is light and he is spirit this means therefore God's Entire, undivided being as goodness. God is not partly good. He is not mostly good. He is entirely good. And the glory of this goodness is that He of Himself is good. And no one else is good apart from him. You remember the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus Christ and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Christ says, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God only. Now, he's not denying that he is God there. We can't go into into detail, but you remember from the sermon on that passage that he's saying, you do not know what you speak of. You do not understand the word good. If you did, you would know you can do nothing to inherit eternal life. It's a free gift. And if you understand goodness, you would understand only God is good. And why do you call me good teacher? Is that all I am to you? A good teacher? I am more than a teacher. I am the goodness of God. But there that verse is teaching us, none is good but God only. That is saying, he alone is good in and of himself. God is not good because there's an external standard which teaches this is good. And God meets this external standard and the standard declares God is good. No, 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 no. God himself is good. And he derives this goodness From no one. This is unlike me and you. If there's any goodness in us, and there is goodness in us, to the sense that we are all made in the image of God. When you see a mother, out of goodness, sacrifice her life to bring up children, that goodness is simply derivative from God as a gift Because we're made in his image. Oh, when you see one stranger take pity upon another stranger and help them in their hour of need. That is good. But the goodness did not come from the person. It comes from above. Where through common grace enables that person to show an earthly or horizontal kind of goodness. But God has received his goodness from no one and nothing. He is goodness. And because he is goodness of himself, he is the fountain and source of goodness. If there's any goodness in this earth, anything kind, anything helpful, anything beneficial, anything loving, merciful and gracious is because we're made in the image of God. He has restrained us so that we're not absolutely as sinful as we possibly could be. But though we are sin in every faculty of our soul, he restrains so that every single individual is not Hitler times 10. So when you do see, humanly speaking, goodness in this world, it doesn't come from the person. It comes from the source and fountain, God himself. But how can we measure God's goodness? You can't. Psalm 31 verse 19, great is God's goodness. It's great. And in the Bible, greatness is not something like you're impressed with, like, oh, that's great. Greatness means measurement in size. Other synonyms of greatness are past finding out, unsearchable, incomprehensible, infinite. God's goodness is unlimited. God's goodness is beyond our measurements. God's Goodness is inexhaustible. When we are good to people, it's limited. You just need to catch us on a bad day and we're anything but good to one another. But not God. You go to California and one of the things I want to do in this country is go to one of the huge sequoia trees uh, in California. Just the height, and the width, and the breadth, just glorious, wonderful. I want to see that one day. Maybe you have. And if you can wrap your arms, and you try to spread it all around, and you get nowhere near the circumference, that's like God's goodness. You can extend your arms for all eternity, and you will never wrap your arms around the entire goodness of God. Oh, in the past weeks, the news has been ablaze by the, the best telescope man has invented, that James Webb telescope. has gone up into space and they're hoping it can see to the ends of the universe. No idea if it can do that or not. We'll find out. But let's just pretend that it is able to do just that. Well, you could never build a telescope to measure the limit of, of God's goodness. It is unlimited. And his goodness is unchangeable. James 1, He is the Father of lights, where every good gift cometh down from above. And in him there is no valuableness, no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. There's going to be no day, no year, no millennia, where he's anything else but good. He can't be anything else but good. He can't be evil. He can't be sinful. He is unchangeably good. And this helps us to ask some of the philosophical objections to Christianity. How do you know that God will never be immoral? Because he's good. How do you know that his sovereign, omnipotent will will never do evil? It's because he's good. How do we know God cannot and will never be the author of evil? Because of who he is, he is good. And this brings us to the second lesson of his goodness. His goodness is his moral excellency. You remember when Moses was on the mount, he prayed a prayer, I hope we all pray. Lord, show us thy glory. And he said, that's Jehovah said, You cannot see into my being. If you were to see me as I am in all my glory, you would be obliterated. But I will reveal myself to you. And in Exodus 33 19, he says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And when he reveals his goodness, it's the revelation of his moral character. And so goodness in God is the summary of his moral character. For when he does reveal himself in thirty-four six of Exodus, it says, The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. He is good, which means he is morally excellent. He is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and patient, abundant in truth. He will keep his promises. He is faithful. He is gracious to forgive, and he is a just, righteous And holy God. This is our God. And the third thing we learn from this definition of goodness is God takes delight to communicate his goodness. And we understand that even from an earthly picture. When you say someone's a good guy or a good woman or a good friend or a good pal or a good person, we don't merely mean that person is morally upright. We often use that as they do things for other people. They're kind to other people. They give gifts to other people. They they give their time, they give their resources, they give their energy to help other people. And so with God. He is good, therefore it has his pleasure to communicate himself in goodness. This is what he did in himself before creation in eternity. In the one goodness of God, Father, Son, and Spirit are co-equal in glory. And for all eternity, face to face, to use the language of John 1. They are communicating themselves to each other Sharing in mutual goodness, loving one another. And so before Genesis 1.1, before creation, God is good. He didn't wait for creation to be good, or show goodness, or communicate goodness. Before creation in himself was satisfied to communicate in goodness between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then God, out of his free will, out of his sovereign decree, took pleasure to communicate goodness. And you read Genesis 1. Maybe some of you do yearly reading plans. And if you have, not all, but most reading plans start where? In January 1. Genesis 1. And when you read Jan- Genesis 1, where do you see that word? Good. He creates in six days. He creates the expanse, the firmament. He he creates the land, the, the grass, the trees, the herb, he creates the, the fowls of the air, and the and the beasts of the field, and the fish of the sea, and he creates man in the image of God. And what does it say? It is good. And then he completes his creation and he Looks upon all of it. And how does he describe it? It is very good. Because he's communicated himself in his works. And created a good world. And even in a fallen world against enemies. God delights to communicate his goodness. In Matthew 5. Jesus is teaching Christian discipleship. What does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, be like your Father in heaven. Well, how how is our Father in heaven? You see that rain that comes down. It comes down on the just and the unjust. Do you see that sun that rises upon all? It's upon the evil And the good. You go to Acts 14. And there's pagans. Who worship idols. And it says God has not left himself without witness. But he has been good to all. And we have harvest and food. And we are joyful. Because he has given it to us. That is our God. He is good and he delights to communicate his goodness that's your God brother and sister our hope our faith our theology our practice our life begins and is founded upon the character of God so the next time you think of God is good bring some of this out to your mind and know his glory But look at the words we have before us. We have, secondly, God's good works. Thou art good, thou doest good. God does what he does because he is who he is. As a tiger is a carnivore and his nature is carnivorous, he will eat meat. As a leopard has spots, and cannot change its spots, its nature is to have spots. What's God's nature? Goodness. And therefore everything, everything, everything God does flows out of his being. He is good, therefore he does good. And I want to look at three ways God is good to us with the A picture of 2021 and 2022. God is good, has been good, and will be good. So how is God good to us? Well, first of all, he's good to us by forgiving us of all our sins in Christ. When you reflect back in 2021, what do you think your greatest problem was? I do not dismiss you, may have had many, many problems in your life. You might have had spiritual problems, um, health problems, emotional problems, financial problems. I don't dismiss any of that. But what was your greatest problem? Sin. Sin. Romans 3 does it not tell us there is no one good? No, not one. There were 365 days of the year in 2021. And how many of those days, brother and sister, did you not sin? How many one of those days did I not sin? Every day I sinned. And every day you sinned. We sinned so much. We are unaware that we even sinned at times. And here's the good news of the gospel. God is good. And his goodness is incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of his goodness, life and cross, he forgives us every sin. Titus chapter 3, which we read earlier, Beautiful words, how first three verses, just uh, examples of our sins. And then verse four, but, don't you just love adversitives in the Bible? But the kindness or goodness and love of God, our Saviour, towards men appeared. Wonderful. When Christ was born, what were the angels uh, singing to the shepherds? Glory to God in the highest and good will towards all men. For us to be saved, we need a perfect saviour keeping the law and a perfect saviour to bear the wrath of God. And in Acts 10 verse 38, it says, Jesus went about doing good. He was kind, he was patient, he was merciful, he was just, he was loving. When he saw someone sick or of leprosy or of an issue of blood or what have you, compassion moved him because he's good and he healed them, proving he is good and all good. And then on the cross, God the Father comes and pours out his wrath upon him. And Stephen Sharnock in his uh, book on the attributes of God has a very interesting insight. He asks, why does John 3.16 say soul? For God so loved the world. And he answers, the soul is the supreme goodness of God. It's a large quote, but I believe it's worth reading. To enhance this goodness yet higher, it was a greater goodness to us than was for a time manifested to Christ himself. He would for a while withhold his goodness from his son by exposing his life as the price of our ransom. The particle soul in John 3.16 seems to intimate the supremacy of goodness. He so loved the world that he seemed for a time not to love his son in comparison of it. He was desirous to hear him groaning and see him bleeding that we might not groan under his frowns and bleed under his wrath. He spared not him that he might spare us. Refused not to strike him, that he might be well pleased with us. Drenched his sword in the blood of his son, that it might not forever be wet with ours. But that his goodness might forever triumph in our salvation. He was willing to have his son made man and die, rather than man should perish who had delighted to ruin himself. And because of what Christ did on that cross, we who have faith in Jesus Christ, every one of our sins is cleansed by his blood. So in 2021, when you think about all the sins that you may have committed, washed and cleansed in the blood of the Lamb, And when you look to 2022 and you know there's not going to be a day in 2022 or 23 or 24 where you do not sin, why and how do you not despair? He is good. And he is good in his son. And what he did on the cross means you are forgiven. Oh, blessed be that call. Repent from your sins and believe in Christ. Everyone who does knows the goodness of God and the Saviour and is forgiven fully and freely. But second of all, God is good by keeping the promises of his word. Look at verse 65. Thou hast dealt good, literally, with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. So how has God dealt with you in 2021 and how will he deal with you in 2022? In goodness, according to his word. And when you read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and you see what is in his word and he will be good to you, it is wonderful. We can't take every passage, of course, let's just take one verse as a a nice summary. Psalm 89, sorry Psalm 84, verse 11. "The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold. That's what God did for you in 2021. He was good to you in being your son. He was your light and heat. He opened your eyes to his glory. He, he taught you in his word. He sanctified you in his word. He gave you some taste of his love and mercy. He gave you some experience of his awesomeness and faithfulness. He was your shield. With all the enemies, spiritual and temporal, firing against you, he was your defense, your buckler, your high tower. He gave you grace upon grace in the Savior. What did you need? Patience? He gave you it. Meekness? He gave you it. Love? He gave you it. Did you need to be patient with someone? He would have given you it. Did you feel foolish at times and you ask God for wisdom? Did he not answer your prayers and gave you wisdom? Oh, how he withheld no good thing from you. That was your God in 2021. And in 2022, without a shadow of a doubt, he will be good to you. He will be your son again. He will be your shield again. He will give you grace and glory again. He will withhold no good thing from you again. Third thing, he was good to us in providence. You'll notice in this psalm that David is speaking of something happening to him in providence and God was good to him. Psalms uh, Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. So, in his providence... He was afflicted. He suffered somehow, some way. It caused him hurt, pain, distress, loneliness, uh, and all the things that come with that. But when he reflects back on that time, it was good for me. Because through the providential afflictions, I cleaved more to God in His Word. Whereas before I was going astray, maybe I was being a bit presumptuous, a bit arrogant, a bit prideful, a bit um, taking God for granted, um, trusting more in my own strength. There was a lack of prayer in my life, a lack of uh, being in His Word. Then the affliction came. And to whom shall I go but to Him who has the words of eternal life? And therefore I was more in the word, more in prayer, more dependence on God. And whatever sins were exposed, I repented and sought to be more faithful to the law of God. Were you afflicted in 2021? Did you suffer in 2021? Were you sick, health? financial, family, whatever issue it was. And at the time, no doubt, it hurt a lot. Please do not let me uh, undervalue that. But when you look back, do you not say it was good for me? Do you not say the trial of my faith strengthened my faith? Can you not say I just... Looked away from self and the things of the world and the the temporal comforts of life and sought the Lord my God. It was good for me. Sometimes you don't know why exactly you're suffering, and you don't understand, but at least you can say in Genesis fifty, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And that goodness, as we all know, is Romans eight twenty-eight to thirty working good for the conformity of Christ. I think we all reflect on many of our afflictions. God was good. I was sharing with brothers and sisters on Friday night uh, and New Year's Eve. We're all sharing just some ways God has helped us and just speaking of my own physical ailments over the last 18 months, never mind 12 months and all that it's done for me. And yet when you look back and all, the, uh, all the, the the pain and the suffering of it all, you say it was good for me because it helped me to trust in him more. And you, brother, and you, sister, no doubt you can say the same thing. But providence doesn't have to just be afflictions. He's mentioned it here because real time is just generic as well. All of providence is for our good. Think of everything we've ever had because First Timothy 16, 17, 6, 17 says, God's richly given us all things for our good, for His glory. So you think about the food you had. Did you have to beg for bread this year? God was good. Were you thirsty this year and you nearly died of dehydration? No, you had water. God was good. Was there sickness or COVID? God was good. Was there loneliness or distress? God was good. Your car, your house. Maybe you've had vacations. Maybe you've grown and read some good books. Maybe you think of all the good times you've had in 2021. It was God for he is good. Every good gift comes down and it's for your goodness. Thirdly, God's goodness in our response. How should we respond to God's goodness in 2022? First of all, faith in his goodness. Nahum, the prophet, chapter 1, verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. Ever have faith in your God who is good. Ever trust in the God who is good. I don't know what's going to happen in 2022, and you do not know what's going to happen in 2022. But if the devil had his way, he'll be right against you, wanting you to curse God and die. He will want you to deny the goodness of God. He wants some affliction, so you say, it was not good for me, God is not good, and how can he do this? That's what the devil wants. And therefore, to fight against the devil, we need to put on the whole armour of God. And that begins by faith, trusting in his goodness. And a practical way to do that is to remember. Psalm 145 verse 7. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. That word utter means bubbling up inside. The idea is there's something within you and it's bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and then overflows in your mouth. And so the psalmist is saying, fill your memory with God's goodness. And therefore, because you fill it, it will come out. So if we regularly stop and reflect daily, weekly, monthly, twice a year, whatever, there's no law here, whatever's good for you, was ever helpful. Remember God's goodness to you so that when you need something to grasp and hold on, it's fresh, it's real, it's already there and it will bubble from inside, outside. God is good all the time and all the time God is good and he will be your stronghold. So exercise faith in God's goodness. Second application, praise God for his goodness. Remember, God reveals himself so that ultimately we would worship him for it. That's why in the Psalms, again and again and again, it says, Oh, thank the Lord for he is good. Oh, praise the Lord for he is good. Psalm one hundred six, Psalm one hundred seven, Psalm one three six. George Horner, a commentator on the Psalms, he says As the sense of our wants should prepare the mind for prayer, so gratitude for blessings received should tune the heart to praise. Does my heart mean tuning for praise? Does your heart need tuning for praise? Then think of God's goodness and praise him for it. In your own private life, in your own devotions, when you're out and about, when you're going for a walk, praise him for his goodness. When you're sitting around the family altar and you're thinking of prayer requests and praise, praise him for his goodness. When you come to church on the Lord's Day and you reflect on the past week, remember his goodness and praise him for his goodness. Use this attribute of God to tune your heart as fuel for your worship. And thirdly and lastly, we respond to God's goodness by keeping his word. You look at this psalm. How does he respond to the goodness of God? The word, the word, the word. Thou hast dealt good with thy service according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes and so on. God's good will is revealed in his Bible. So learn the word. Um, We should all be daily in the word. And hopefully everyone is much in the word. Keep on keeping on. Let this help you to remain faithful. Let it motivate you and encourage you to keep on in that word but maybe you're struggling right now and you look at a yearly plan, you just find it intimidating. You don't have to read yearly plans. They're helpful, they're good, but sometimes they can be unhelpful for many reasons. It doesn't matter the amount. Be in the Word and learn. That's what matters. Maybe you're struggling right now. Take a gospel. Take John. Just take 10 verses per day. Read those 10 verses three times. Three times. Get a pen and paper out and simply read what does it reveal about God? What does it reveal about Christ? What does it reveal about what I should do? Maybe add a Matthew Henry commentary or something like that. If you learn the word of God, you will find God's will for your life. And the psalmist says he wants something here. He says in verse 66, Teach me good judgment and knowledge. So in your word, O Lord, teach me knowledge, what I am to know, and judgment. Judgment now means the discernment to make the right decisions in life. Paul says, Let's not be children when it comes to the truth. Let us not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Let us be settled Matured in the Word. So seek to learn and grow in your knowledge and the application of God's Word in your life. That's God's good will for you. When you see the commandments, when you see what you are to do, you don't see what is God's will for my life, how can I discern right from wrong, what is morally correct and morally wrong. How should I live? How should I be a mother? How should I be a father? How should I be a worker? How should I be a student? Children, how can I be a good child? The word of God will teach us, give us knowledge and discernment. So respond to God's goodness by living out the word in your life. And you do this by good works. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Why do you read the Bible? Second Timothy three seventeen, so that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Galatians six nine, let us not be weary. Tired in well doing or good doing, you could translate that for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who have the household of faith. So we respond to God's goodness by doing good works unto men. That is. Learning from the Bible and applying it to our neighbour. It is loving neighbour as ourselves, doing them good, being charitable, being kind. So let us do that. Let's think of anyone in general, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us do good works. An encouragement here and there, uh, an arm on the shoulder here and there. Uh, A meal out of the blue for a tired friend or a sick friend. Um, Someone you know who's struggling. Maybe a clothing item. Maybe a a lift somewhere in the car. Uh, Maybe the provision of food. Whatever it may be. This is God's goodness. And we can all in 2022 trust in him. And we can respond by having faith in his goodness, praising his goodness, and using the word to fill our lives by being zealous of good works. Let us pray. Our gracious and merciful God, we confess thou art good and doest good. Oh, lift up this excellency before our eyes and use it as fuel for our praise. And by thy Holy Spirit, fill us with good works so that we would do them in the name of Christ for thy glory, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. In thy Son's name we pray. Amen.